What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's American Express. We'll go through the golf course, the field. We'll pick out a handful of players, and we'll run a model at the end. All of it, very data-driven preview for this week. Uh, let's jump right into this because there is not one course to jump into, not two, but three. This is my website, rickrungood.com, giant golf database for fantasy and betting. Everything you see is from my website. So this starts course rotation season. Three courses at this event. Next week at the Farmers, there are two courses in play. And then the following week in Pebble Beach, back to the three-course rotation. So eight courses over the course of the next three tournaments. So we're going to have to get used to this a little bit. Side note, if you're going to be at Farmers, I'll be there uh, all week. Um, I'll also be at Phoenix all week and I'll also be at Riviera for maybe most of the week. Well, TBD on there, but if you're going to be out there, say hello. Here's the way the course rotations work for those of you who are new to this. Uh, every golfer is going to play each course one time. So they're going to play the stadium course, PGA West stadium course, which you might see listed as Pete Dye stadium course. They've like renamed it this year. Nicholas tournament course is the other one. And then La Quinta Country Club is the third. So everybody in the field plays uh, in order one of those courses for each of the first three days. Then there is a 54-hole cut, not a 36-hole cut, a 54-hole cut with the remaining golfers going back out and playing the stadium course again on Sunday. That's how it works. So you do get a little bit more uh, guaranteed scoring, barring WD or DQ your guy's going to play three rounds. There's only going to be one round that they miss if they do indeed miss the cut. So I think you could take on a little bit more risk. And then obviously, as we get closer, the Wednesday live chat is going to be critical because there are weather implications. Obviously, if you get, uh, you know, what course on what day do you want to play? We have all that stuff to consider. So that's 3 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Last year, what I'm showing you right now is the is the course stats model for the stadium course. And you'll note that um, the one thing that stands out the most is driving accuracy. It's 18th, meaning there are 17 other courses in which driving accuracy is more important than the stadium course. This is the only course we're going to have shot link data from. Where we're only going to have the strokes gain numbers. We're going to have the play-by-play, -play, all that stuff from the stadium course. The other two, at least historically, have not been lasered. So the stadium course last year was the most difficult. Uh, They're all playing to a par 72. The stadium course last year, the scoring average was 70.57, so about a stroke and a half, 1.4 under par. That was the most difficult. The Nicholas Tournament course played to a 70.27. That's 1.7 under par, so that's your middle course. And then La Quinta has historically always played the easiest. That's your scoring average of 69.9, a little bit over two strokes uh, under par on average so let's think about this right let's be smart you have guys playing different golf courses every single day in theory over the course of a, a classic slate everything's going to even itself out right barring one of these courses getting a lot of wind or whatever it's going to even itself out but showdown or some of the more live aspects of this or the one round matchups or things like that, it's it's going to make a bigger difference if you're playing showdown if you're looking for first round leaders and your sports book is not separating out the courses playing the guys at la quinta generally a pretty good idea right so this is this is kind of the thought process that we're gonna have to go through over the next couple of weeks
when they release the tee times, we will know the order, right? So I can't remember what the order is, but let's just say, for example, uh, it's always PGA West, Nicholas, Tournament Course, La Quinta. So if you start on Nicholas, you're going to play Nicholas, La Quinta, PGA West. There is a rotation. It goes in order. So once we have the tee times, once we know we'll have that order, we'll be able to separate this out into basically three different um, fields, so to speak, depending on where they're starting. And the other thing to remember, this is also a pro-am. Right, So Pebble Beach is a pro-am coming up in a couple weeks. This is also a pro-am. So you're going to have longer rounds. You're going to have a lot more bodies out there on the golf course. It's just, There's going to be a lot happening. There's a couple of guys, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second, but like I just think in general, there are some guys who do not like this format, right? And there are some guys that kind of thrive in this format who can take a little bit longer. We've seen Jason Day kind of really play well in pro-ams because, you know, he gets a little bit more time. He's kind of a slower player in general. That's kind of good for him. So that's going to be hard to quantify, but we'll talk through some of those guys uh, as they pop up or who they could potentially be. Let's go to the cheat sheet here. Pricing is out. Obviously, that's why we're doing the show. Five golfers over $10,000. John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley. That is correct. Xander Shoffley's back. Uh, and is, is his back back? I don't know, but... Todd Lewis from Golf Channel reported that, um, you know, since his WD at the Tournament of Champions, where I think he played one round, I don't know if he teed off for the second round or not. He might have, um, but did not complete the second round. He's had some testing done. He's gotten some treatment. He feels comfortable enough to tee it up this week. So Xander is back. We'll, we'll talk about him, uh, but let's talk about the top of the board here. It's really hard to go wrong with any of these guys. Uh, John Rahm and Tony Finau have objectively been the better golfers over the last 50 rounds. So if you're, you're looking at the power rankings right now on YouTube, uh, Tony Finau 2.18 over his last 50, John Rahm 2.14. Those are the only guys gaining over two strokes per round. It's a pretty big gap to everybody else. I think the next best is Taylor Montgomery 1.87, Xander's in that 1.85. Uh, range, but these two guys have clearly been, at least in this field, the best golfers over the last 50 rounds. The one thing, and if you guys have been following, you know I'm a big Scotty Scheffler guy, right? I'm just waiting for the moment in which he's going to gain a half a stroke putting and win a golf tournament because his tee to green play has been so phenomenal. This has kind of been dubbed uh, a putting contest, right? You know, that's that's what John Rahm has said about this event in the past. You're going to have to make a lot of putts. Scotty, did at the tournament of champions. At least he made enough. He gained three strokes putting. The rest of his game wasn't quite as sound, but that's still good enough for a T7 in a field of 39 with a lot of really, really good players in it. And there's a lot of really good players in this one. I don't think I mentioned it. Five of the top seven players in the world are here. That doesn't count Sam Burns and Sung JM and Cam Young and some of these other guys that you want to throw into the mix. So it's a pretty strong field for this week. I'd really love to see the way that the ownership is going to break down on, on the top of the board here. You know, is everybody going to go back to Rom, who has now won globally three times in his last five starts and has won this event before and hasn't finished worse than T14 in his last three trips? Is everybody going to go to Tony Fina? I mean, Tony won in Houston, finished seventh at the Hero, seventh at the Tournament of Champions. What more could you ask out of him? And the Scotty Scheffler, who we've we've already talked about. So a lot of a lot of the way that I treat the top of the board will probably be dictated by ownership. Uh, you know, I think last week we would have been really good 
just going based on ownership last week, right? Tom Kim, one of the most uh, highly owned golfers on the slate, misses the cut. Uh, Sung JM, I believe, was the second highest owned golfer on the slate, misses the cut. Um, Jordan Spieth, who gave us a sweat there for a first round lead, then missed the cut. Uh, you know, if you went for either him or, or Hideki, you probably got the top of the board right, other than just skipping the top of the board altogether. Patrick Cantlay is here. What is everybody going to do with Cantlay and Xander? Because you can't, you probably can't get Cantlay and Rom, or Cantlay and Scotty, or Cantlay and Tony Finau. Patrick Cantlay has been lights out at at this golf course, right? So let let me pull up Cantlay in general. Um, we'll talk through him, and then I'll show you some of the better guys in quote unquote course rotation season. Here's Cantlay from. 2019. So he's played he played this event in 2019, 2021, 2022. It was T9, second T9. Uh, I believe he actually set the course record. He shot a 60, I think, on Sunday. It must have been in 2021. And almost tracked down. Must have been Siwoo Kim. But but it is it's phenomenal what he's been able to accomplish. Then you look at his form coming in, and it's okay, right? I mean, he had the long break from Las Vegas from the Shriners, where he finished T2, kind of had that debacle on the 72nd hole. He comes back to the Tournament of Champions, finishes T16. Wasn't particularly sharp, but he was better than uh, the field average. So if you say, okay, he's knocking off a little bit of rust, and he's going to one of the best spots for him, absolutely, let's fire up Patrick Cantlay. But his recent form, at least not in terms of like last eight starts, but his recent form is in the last couple of weeks. What's top of mind? Not nearly as good as these other three guys. And then Xander's your complete X factor. You know, the X-Man is the X factor. Um, fourth at the Hero World Challenge, tweaks the back, horrible at the Tournament of Champions, ends up withdrawing. Now what? So we're going to wait to see what the industry does with Xander here. But there's a chance you could get like the third best player in the field or the fourth best player in the field at very low ownership, depending on what everybody else ends up doing. The 9K range is incredibly fascinating, right? Sung J.M., Tom Kim, both in here, both missed the cut last week. Brian Harmon had one of the shortest odds last week. I think he was 18 to 1. Um, disappointed, right? 32nd. That's that's a disappointment when you have like the fourth shortest odds. He is here. Siwoo Kim, the defending champion, and won this event twice, uh, two years ago, excuse me, in this field. Like, there, there's a lot happening. Let's start with Sung Jay. Um, I'm very stuck on Sung Jay at the moment. Uh, I don't know what side of my brain will get there. Let's just look at this statistically. Loses three and a half strokes ball striking last week. That is one of uh, the worst performances of his career, especially only in, in, in two rounds. That's a little bit concerning. Lost off the tee for the first time in 15 measured starts. That's a little bit concerning. The putter has uh, has indeed significantly cooled from the fall. He's a actually a negative putter. In, in in January, when you see at the end of last year and during that run where he was piling up top 15s and runner-up finishes, he was gaining two, three, four strokes to the field. But, big but, um, his history here is basically unmatched. I mean, four trips, he's gone 12th, 10th, 12th, 11th. So four finishes between 10th and 12th in his last four years. That's the good side. Want to go back to the bad side? Let me show you this. This is, uh, let me pull this up real quick. This is Sung Im's strokes gained per hole from last week. The approach play is a lot of red. That, by my count, is of 35 over two rounds possible approach shots. He lost strokes on 19 of them. This was not one bad swing that found the water and and he lost a stroke and a half or something. It was not two bad swings. He was below tour average 
19 out of 35 opportunities on approach. That is definitely a little bit more concerning than someone who just put one bad swing on one or two bad swings on one. I, I, I want to say he's going to be able to get back to it. Right. I'm truly stuck. I don't remember feeling kind of this, this in the middle on a golfer in some time. So we're going to, I'm going to have to chew on this and see, we'll run a model at the end, but I think it's very, very interesting. Tom Kim, um, I sent out my my newsletter for Monday morning, and uh, you can get it. It's rickrungood.com slash newsletter, I think, or you can get the link in the description, and I email it out every Monday and Wednesday. Um, if you go look at what Tom Kim did, it's it's much less of a concerning stat profile, right? It's still a missed cut. He still, he still did not play the weekend just like Sung J.M. did not, but he lost 6.6 strokes putting, which is by far the worst of his career. He's generally a very good putter. In the two rounds that he played, he was the 12th best ball striker in the field. He gained 3.8 strokes ball strike. He gained two on approach in two rounds. He gained 1.7 off the tee in two rounds. That's fine. He was even a small positive around the green. He literally just could not make anything, which you give a guy time, a guy who's generally a very good putter, I, that feels like a bounce back is much more reasonable than maybe what we're seeing from Sungjae. Now, I mentioned it. 30% ownership, right, for Tom Kim. How many of those guys now with a better field are going to go back to Tom Kim? I don't know the answer to that. Let me continue down this 9K path here because there is a lot of good things that we need to consider. Um, Will Zalatoris. I wanted to wait and see on Zalatoris for kind of last week. Or I guess it was last start, the Tournament of Champions. That was his first start back since withdrawing from the BMW Championship, the two herniated discs in his back. And I was like, man, I don't know what we're going to get out of Will Zalatoris. Well, here's what we got. Um, the first two rounds, and you can see it here on the Holy Grail, loses 1.6 on approach in round one, 1.1 in round two. Horrible numbers, especially for a guy who's an elite ball striker like Will Zalatoris is. And then look at what he did. He writes the ship. Very small positive on Saturday. Gains a half a stroke on approach on Sunday. He gained nearly a full stroke off the tee every single round. Th that looks like him getting comfortable, knocking the rust off in competition again. Um, that's a really good stat profile to me. Putted well all week long as well. He ended up finishing T11 in that 39-man field, even hemorrhaging nearly three strokes on approach over his first two rounds, which for him is probably five shots off his baseline. Right, Guy probably gains close to a stroke per round, uh, you know, on his on his average on approach, maybe a little bit less than that. So you're talking about maybe a four and a half or five stroke difference off of his baseline in two rounds alone. I'm willing to say it's time. It's time for and and I've already seen like there's a 22 to one number hanging on Will Zalatoris, which is like that's too long. It's too long. He played this event last year. He finished sixth. The rest of this 9K range, we're gonna get a look at uh, Sam Burns. For the first time since the Tournament of Champions, we are going to get Aaron Wise back in this field, Taylor, um, Cameron Young, excuse me, and Siwoo Kim. I, I feel like we almost have to talk about every single golfer in the 9K range, which is shocking, but I feel like it almost it almost needs to be done. Let's start with Brian Harmon, a guy that I was very much out on last week, and I think we got away with it, right? We did not get burned on that. He finished T20, uh, T32. What you need to remember about Brian Harmon is that Wiley has historically not been very good to him, right? He was... He's always struggled on approach at, at Wiley. Uh, he did it again last week. 1.8 to the negative in Honolulu. Well, 
let's look at what he's done at the American Express because it's very, very different. This is a place that I think just generally sets up better to him, fits his eye a little bit better. There was no surprises from his performance last week uh, in, in Honolulu. In his last two trips alone to Palm Springs, he's gained eight and a half strokes on approach. So I'm kind of looking at this and saying, okay, we got away with dodging a bullet on Brian Harmon last week. This is a really, really good setup for him, a really good spot for him, a place that he's historically been better at what we saw or what he struggled with last week. This feels like a better buy spot on Brian Harmon. And then Siwoo, who I've already mentioned, you know, he won this event two years ago. He won last week. He daggers everybody's Hayden Buckley tickets more on that in a second. That was, that was painful, but look at what he's done. Um, you know, here's the Siwoo deep dive. We've got two consecutive starts in which he's gained at least eight strokes on approach. That is insane, right? I mean, I, I haven't pulled it yet, but I, if I went and pulled, you know, the last, um, I don't know, years worth of, of tournaments. How many guys have gained eight strokes on approach? I bet you I bet you it's a pretty short list. He's done it in back-to-back events. And as long as he puts to close to a zero, he could have he could have a, a good opportunity here. He gained less than a stroke putting last week in one. Uh somebody tweeted me out. I replied that was the seventh lowest number of strokes gained putting uh since the start of 2020 for a winner. So you are talking about just absolute elite ball striking. You can see when he switched to the broomstick, you can see it. He loses 23 strokes putting over the course of three starts, changes to the broomstick for this Asian tour event, finishes fifth, had a good President's Cup, and he's been on a pretty decent run since. Yeah, he gave a lot away at Congaree. You can give a lot away on the greens at Congaree. They're pretty tricky. doesn't matter what kind of putter you're using. So um, really really kind of I don't I don't love to like call out spots where guys could go back to back because it's so hard to do especially for a non-elite like Siwoo Kim Siwoo Kim might go back to back that that that's how good this stat profile is and the timing of it being really really good Aaron Wise might be the guy that hates pro-ams right I'll just quickly you know it obviously hurts my heart to be out on Aaron Wise he's missed his last three cuts here there are going to be guys who just hate this format or just this, these courses don't vibe or they don't like playing three courses over three. I don't know. But when I see a guy, you know, as good as Aaron Wise is, who's got three straight miscuts at the same event in a range where there's a lot of really good options, I think I have to go in that direction. I mentioned, or I have to go in a different direction. I mentioned the Siwoo Hayden Buckley thing. Um, obviously hats off to, to Siwoo Hayden probably wishes he had that three-footer back. He probably wishes he made Paul, uh, birdie on either nine or 18, the easiest holes on the golf course. He missed another five-footer that was pretty that was pretty weak. Um, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. But we were we were on it, right? Like, the, I think he's going to have a great year. If you got close with, like, a 95-to-1 Hayden Buckley ticket like I did, it sucks, but let's, let's, let's ride, right? Um, the other thing is, if you had him in your jock market portfolio, you still made a ton of money, right? And I, I try to always point out these scenarios where something like that happens. We've had two good weeks of it, right? If you were a Colin Morikawa ticket holder last week and or a Hayden Buckley ticket owner from the Sony Open, like you should be playing on jock market, right? Because that is all they have to do is outperform their expectations. So Hayden Buckley last Wednesday, it's stock market DFS, sold for $4.75 a share. 
even finishing second paid out 20 bucks a share. So you made $15 a share on Hayden Buckley. If you had 10 shares of him, you made 150 bucks, right? That, that's how it works. Siwoo Kim went from 550 in IPO to $25 a share in the payout. And then you get guys like Chris Kirk and Andrew Putnam. So if you were like a believer in, uh, you know, Taylor Montgomery, who made you money, if you were a believer in uh, who else was popular, like Ben Taylor and Ben Griffin, like these guys made you money in the jock market, even though they didn't win the golf tournament. So highly encourage you to sign up. They're a very, very good partner. They love the advancement of the community and like season long fantasy and everything like that. They've been very, very helpful. There's a code Rick. There's a link in the description. They're now in Pennsylvania. They're in a bunch of States. Sign up, get your deposit bonus, go buy 10 shares of JT Poston this week. Go buy, go buy 10 shares of JT Poston. We'll talk about him in a sec. Go buy, go buy 10 shares of JT Poston. That, 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 that's the way to go. The eights. Let's pull these guys up here. At the top is Taylor Montgomery. I'm, I'm, I'm out of adjectives. I'm out of superlatives. Yes, he was the 36-hole leader, and he finished T12. Is that good? No. If I told you he was going to finish T12 before the start of the week, would you be happy? Yeah, probably, right? Let me pull up his, his fantasy numbers for you. So this is uh, kind of a little difficult to wrap your brain around. You have to just trust me on this. The fantasy point percentile. So if you beat everybody, you finished in like the 100th percentile or the 99th percentile, depending on how many golfers there were. Uh, if you finished below the 50th percentile, you were below average in terms of fantasy scoring. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about what your finishing position was. I don't care about your strokes gained. I don't care. I just care about your fantasy points. Okay. So Taylor Montgomery's average fantasy point percentile is like 81% which is absurd. There's only been one time in his, his worst was, let's see, he was the 55th percentile at the U S open, uh, last summer. He was the 59th percentile at the U S open before that. And then he was more recently that Houston open. He was the 62nd percentile. So even in his worst starts, he has been better than field average in terms of fantasy point scoring. That's the way you read this. So yes, He's putting like a madman. It is probably unsustainable that he gains six strokes putting every single week. But we are we are now getting nearly a full year of him just piling up. No, I mean, yeah, like a full year of him just piling up top 10s and top 15s any, on any tour. It doesn't matter. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. So I'm I'm obviously a believer, um, and he's continued he's continuing to be priced in a way where you should probably get some type of investment in on him, right? Here are the top three players in the field in the last 50 rounds. Tony Finau, John Rahm, Taylor Montgomery. Taylor Montgomery is $2,000 less expensive than John Rahm is. Obviously, they're different golfers, and John Rahm's more likely to win this event, obviously, but I'm just continuing to point out what's happening here. Uh, Andrew Putnam had... God, Andrew Putnam burned me so bad. Andrew Putnam should have missed the cut. Uh, and then he comes back, goes nuts, gains 10 strokes putting over the course of three days, and blows all my matchups. So that burned me pretty well. What's sick is what's really sick. And I'll, I'll just pull up a stat profile so that we can look at it. What's really sick is that Putnam just had the fifth best putting performance since the start of the 2022 season. Tom Kim at Wyndham, Nick Watney at Sanderson, Taylor Montgomery at the Fortinet, Wyndham Clark at the RBC Canadian, Andrew Putnam at the Sony open. The only five guys who've gained at least 10 strokes putting in a single tournament since the start of 2022. And I kind of like him this week. I mean, he has just been like, okay, if, if you gotta be a great putter and we're going to a putting contest where he's finished 14th, 21st, 10th, 34th, and 17th in his last five years. And he's coming off like pretty, like, you know, he played well at the RSM finished T 21 there. Um, why wouldn't we just run him back out there? He's like one of the best putters on tour. 
Is he going to gain 10 and a half again? No. But can he gain five and then plus three on approach? Like those are two things he's done in his last six starts. You put it together, it's a it's a really good result. And he's been awesome here because it is a putting contest. So as sick as it is, the guy burns me. The guy is one of the best putting performances ever. And I almost like I almost like him this week. That's scary stuff, but I think that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um, the rest of this range, I'm going to have love for Cam Davis. He's been phenomenally finished third here last year. No problem there. Sahith, uh, we talk about this a lot, the volatility aspect of things. Let's pull this up real quick. Last 50 rounds, and guys, I'm just kind of focusing on the 8K range, right? So here is Sahith. 8% of his rounds, he gains five or more strokes. It is third to only Taylor Montgomery and Andrew Putnam, believe it or not. However, he is by far the worst in terms of just gaining strokes. 56% of the time, he gains strokes at all. It's the worst in the in the AK range. So if you're looking for low floor, high upside, Sahith, kind of your guy. Adam Hadwin, who we haven't seen in a while, right? I think the last time we saw him was, was it RSM or was it before that? He's obviously like your your desert dog here, right? He's your he's your course horse. He's been great at this event over the last couple of years, and I believe he's got pretty good results. Yeah, okay, we saw him in Houston. Think about how long ago that was, two months ago. Uh, finished T7, gained seven shots on approach, 10 in the ball striking categories. He hasn't missed the cut since the John Deere. So, so it's a long time ago, but the last time, last handful of times we've seen Adam Hadwin, it's been pretty good. So that's that's a very... Um, actually, I want to do one more thing real quick. I got to talk about JT posted. Oh, and Taylor Pendrith's back in the field. I love that. But I don't think this is a great, a great spot for him, but I do love that he's back. Let me also pull up opportunities here. So this is on the power rankings, go under fantasy. You can do opportunities and opportunity and uh, plus opportunities here. Let's just do the last 36 rounds for everybody in this field and see what we get. So opportunities game. These are birdie putts within 15 feet. Tom Kim, number one, no surprise. Carl Yuan, Tom Hoagie, Davis Riley, Ben Griffin. Ben Griffin's been so good. We're not in the 7K range yet, but Davis Riley and Ben Griffin are both in the 7K range, and they're both top five in opportunities game. Ben Griffin's been awesome. His fall was awesome. Last week was awesome. Still getting a pretty good deal. Tyson, I played Tyson Alexander in the $200 single entry last week basically because of this. $6,400, bucks, flusher flusher right flip it to the other way these are even better plus opportunities this is 10 feet or closer you're gonna get a lot of similar names but let's see who pays these off a little bit yeah benny on now in the mix scotty Scheffler in the mix tyson alexander continues to show so there's some really interesting guys here uh if you want to flip through so who else oh jt poston jt poston was the guy that i said go buy 10 shares of on on jock market so has been exactly t21 in each of his last three starts. That's impressive. Even more impressive, he has gained strokes off the tee in each one of them. He has gained strokes on approach in each one of them. So we've got a stat profile of a golfer who is ball striking it well. His putter, it's been okay. The last three, it has been almost dead even, dead tour average. He lost like a little bit less than a stroke at the RSM Classic, gained a little bit at the Century Tournament of Champions, gained a little bit in Houston. Let's look at his American Express numbers. And now remember, this is only two rounds uh, of the shot link data. So when you get to the stadium course, there is only, or the stadium course is the only one with shot link. So you're only getting the, the one round at some point 
on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the final round. Well, he's been a, a pretty good putter at the stadium course, right? He's gained strokes in three of his last four. In 2019, he gained four and a half strokes putting, and he's gained strokes putting in general in four of six. He has a T7. He's missed. He's he's made the cut in three out of four. He's made the cut in four out of six. If we say, okay, we like your ball striking, which is something he hasn't really done all that well at the, sta- at the stadium course, at least in the past, and we think you might be able to putt a little bit better there than you have, you put those two things together, you get a pretty interesting little combination of statistics. Hmm. Where do we want to go from here? I've got the 7K range just flipped and sorted by strokes gain total over the last 36 rounds. And boy, are these our guys or what? Will Gordon, 1.15, best player in the 7K range over the last 36, really struggled on Sunday last week. He like bogeyed four out of his first six out of the gate, kind of clawed it back. Still finished T28, disappointing. But again, zoom out and say third, 43rd, 15th, 28th for Will Gordon. You would have taken all of that. Patrick Rogers is here. Patrick Rogers hasn't played in 2023. Last start was the RSM Classic, but his finish to last year was a third in Bermuda, a 27th at Mayakoba, a 16th in Houston, and a 10th at the RSM Classic. That is pretty darn stout. There are only four other golfers who've gained at least a stroke per round in the 7K range over the last 36. It's Ben Taylor. He's been great. Ben Taylor, Ben Griffin, both been great. Thomas Dietrich. Yes, please. Dean Burmeister, S.H. Kim. Okay. I'll point out Dietrich. I think Dietrich is the most interesting, right? And you can go to rickrungood.com. You can search for any of these guys yourself. But Dietrich is interesting for a couple of reasons. He is a global player. So if you are not really taking into account the global results for Thomas Dietrich, for everybody in the field, like you are not getting the full picture. So we can look at both his PGA picture and his global picture. His PGA stuff alone this season is a T12 at the Fortinet, a T9 in Jackson, He made the cut at the Shriners, finished 69th, runner-up in Bermuda, 15th in Mayakoba. So that is five starts on the PGA Tour this fall. Four of them were 15th or better. One was a runner-up finish. He has also played globally on the European Tour, right? So he finished the BMW PGA Championship, T5. That's a huge event on on the European Tour. He had, let's see, the Ned Bank Golf Challenge a couple starts ago. He finished T13. He just played the European Tour's team event, the Hero Cup. That's, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I think it's Continental Europe versus GBNI, Great Great Britain and Ireland. Uh, Continental Europe, which is what Thomas Dietrich plays for, won. Stats aside, which we agree are all pretty good, and he's a good putter, so if this turns into a putting contest, watch out. We've seen from President's Cups to Ryder Cups, maybe to Hero Cups, that guys that play those team events seem to get a boost right after. Uh, even the snubs, right? We saw the President's Cup snubs go out and win immediately. Wasn't it like Mac Hughes, Ryan Fox, boom, boom. Uh, Siwoo Kim just ca- captures victory. Max Homa gets one. Uh, maybe it was right before the, the President's Cup. I tried to stretch that one. But you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? We've seen this. This is not super uncommon for these guys to go out and play well after a week of this. So all that said, Thomas Dietrich, I think he's just the most interesting golfer in the 7K range. I forgot that I promised to just go do the strokes gain for course rotation season. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to say, going back to 2019, give me the best players in this field at the Farmers, at Pebble Beach, and at the American Express. These are the course rotations. You could argue anything you want. 
this doesn't make sense to put them all together. Or of course it does. You've got to play different courses on different days. Preparation, yada, yada, yada. John Rahm, number one, no surprise. Patrick Cantlay, number two. Here's Let's click into Cantlay because his results are probably pretty sick here. Yeah, without a win. Runner-up at the American Express, T3 and T4 at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, T, uh, ninth at the American Express, ninth at the American Express, T11. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, J-Day. Yeah, this is the one that always pops up, right? And we're in the 7K range right now, so this, this makes a lot of sense. He has not missed a cut at one of these. Oh, I've got it sorted by putting. Rookie move. My bad. Let me sort this around by date and get it chronologically here. But he's only missed one cut. It was the 2021 Farmers Insurance Open. Otherwise, he's the last guy, four of them, gaining over two strokes per round during course rotations. Zalatoris is up here as well, which you absolutely love to see. Now, that's these are obviously like Pebble Beach and La Quinta are obviously different than Torrey Pines and the Nicholas Tournament course. I, I, I get it. But just pointing out there, how these guys tend to play well. Um, some notables like Justin Rose, 22 rounds, 7,900 bucks. Probably would not have considered that, but he won at Torrey, played well at uh, the Farmers again. See, that's that's a little bit more like maybe he just plays better at Farmers, at Torrey Pines, right? As opposed to saying, as opposed to looking at like Tom Hoagie, who's probably got pretty good results at all of these places. Wins at Pebble, runner up at the American Express. Uh, the place he struggled is farmers. That's where he's missed a bunch of cuts. And oh no, well, he's got a he's got a fifth place finish, but a couple missed cuts after that. So he's kind of had success all over the place, which is which is exciting. Okay, sorry, sorry for the detour, but I forgot that I was supposed to show that earlier. While I'm here, I might as well just look at straight American Express results. So Lee Hodges, we're in the seven K range, second best because of, of a T three. It's only four rounds, but his T three from last year. Anybody else in the sevens? Joel Damon, one round. Oh, you know what? He missed the cut. Yeah, so this is this is where it gets a little bit interesting here. So the way to read this is that Joel Damon played one round. Is that right? This is the measured round that he played at the stadium course. But why aren't his other rounds in here? This is from 2021, so this is a little bit older. Let me look real quick. I think I know why. This is the year that they did. This was not the three-course rotation, so they just played two rounds and there was a cut, and the way that the tour sent the data was a little bit different. Hmm, okay, well, I'll fix that. I think it's only him, though. Uh, oh, no, there's some guys with some odd number rounds. So if they played in 2021... Sorry, I'll I'll, I'll investigate this. But... Um, there are a couple of guys that have a lot more rounds that are like, here's Brian Harmon's 14 rounds, 1.36. Like once you start getting over eight, nine, 10 rounds, that's, you know, a decent enough sample size, at least as of, of, of late to get involved. The six is Kevin, Yu, 6,900 bucks T 21 last week, but he was like the 12th highest scoring fantasy player because he on Saturday, I think it was Saturday, Friday or Saturday. He made birdie or better on half his holes. Makes a ton of bogeys, but in fantasy scoring, and especially if you're guaranteed three rounds, not so bad. I don't mind that one bit. The rest of the, the rest of the sixes are pretty tough. That's pretty tough. Uh, Justin Lauer's back hasn't played since the RSM. Really struggled in his last two starts last year. Wouldn't mind a flyer there. He's a pretty good player. I, I really do like the way he plays. Uh, but yeah, that was. Maybe that was a lot of golf for him coming down the stretch, but I, I don't like to see that. I would like to see like a couple of rounds first. Who else do we have here? 
boy, this is tough. Baddeley hasn't been that bad. 6,600 bucks coming off a seventh place finish. Lingmurth still doing his thing, either a top 10 or a miscut. Most, more recently, a miscut. This is really ugly. I mean, there are only a handful of guys gaining like two-thirds of a stroke per round over the last 36, which is really not asking all that much. This is very ugly stuff here. Boy. Okay. Nico Echevarria is here. Um, he, he can fill it up. He can fill it up. That's an interesting one. Harry Hall. Let me pull up Harry Hall's profile for a second. He's a Vegas guy. Remember if you, okay, before I even pull it up, what do we remember about Harry Hall? During the fall, he was great at TPC Summerlin. He plays out of TPC Summerlin, no problem. But even before that, he was a ball striking fiend. Like I'm talking like six strokes from T to green, but then giving seven back on the putting surfaces. Let me show you what happened here. He gained, I think it was eight strokes putting last week at the Sony Open. And normally that would be like, holy crap, that's obviously not going to happen again. Yeah, here it is. 8.9. Oh, I'm sorry. It was the opposite. He was, he was losing from tee to green and putting like crazy. And then he kind of fixed the approach play where he gained a little bit at the Shriners, a little bit in Houston, a little bit at the RSM Classic. Then he gave a lot back at the Sony Open on approach. Okay, sorry. So I had it backwards. But either way, I... I know he's been working on his aim point. He's getting a lot better with his aim point here. 8.9 strokes putting. Again, is it a putting contest? Is it desert golf? Yes. Yes. If it turns into a putting contest and it's desert golf, Harry Hall might be your guy. Right? So that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it. Trying to right the ship a bit. He's got upside. He's got a little bit upside, especially for the price tag, which is uh, $6,600 for this week. And then I mentioned again, Tyson Alexander can can do it. He can swing it. He can swing it. And at 6,400 bucks, it's a steal. Let's run a model. This is kind of a weird one to run. So this is custom model, rickrungood.com. You don't want to get too deep into like the, the measured stuff that we haven't had in the past. And because there's a couple of different courses that are all going to play different, it's hard to quantify all of that. So what I will do is keep this pretty standard here. Um, let me think through this course history. I could do some desert courses, but what I'll do is I'll put, I'll put 10 on PGA West, the stadium course. And that's, I'm going to say that's it. Then what I'll do is I'll go to scoring and put 15 on implied win. This is just their odds, right? Like, let's let Vegas do a lot of the hard work here. Okay, so that's 25. We have 75 left. Let's then do just a very, you know what we could do, which would be kind of freaky, is we could do... our own little system here. So let's say we want good ball strikers as of late. So the last 12, let's put 15 on strokes gained off the tee and last 12, 15 on approach. Then when we get to around the green, I don't really care, but let's say last 55. And then for putting, I do want some more and I want, I don't want necessarily hot putters. So let's go last 36 guys that might have a little bit, a little bit bigger of a sample and put 20 there. So now we have 20 left. I'm, I'm taking John Rom's words for it. And I'm saying this is a putting contest. 
And then let's say we do our final 20 on birdie or better. Yeah, no surprise. John Rahm's number one. John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, Sung Jay. Man, I'm going to get to Sung Jay at some point, aren't I? Tony Finau, Tom Kim. Tom Kim, now my fifth-ranked golfer, 9,500. Callum Tarrant, you dog. Number six in the model. Makes a ton of birdies. Off the tee in his last 12, he's been great. Approach in his last 12, he's been great. Okay. Okay, Callum. Not bad. Xander, Alex Smalley, Aaron Wise, and Grayson Sig round out my top 10. Yeah, it's a pretty freaky one. This is pretty... I'm actually going to save this because I want to revisit this on... Probably on Wednesday. So we'll save it as 2023 Amex. But yeah, there's a lot to kind of sift through here. Dietrich, 19th. Montgomery, 25th. That's pretty low. Shame. I mean, we don't have to live and die by this, but I'm just kind of looking at some... Yeah, Taylor Pendrith, 51st. I'm not sure this is a great spot for him. I hope I'm wrong. Siwoo, 75th. That's uh, because I didn't put much emphasis on the... Uh, on the stadium course stuff. So he doesn't get he doesn't get credit for all that. All right. That'll do it. Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Rick Rungard YouTube channel. Wednesday, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time, Jock Market Power Hour. And then Andy and I will do a betting preview on Tuesday. Hit the like button. Appreciate it. Subscribe if any of this is interesting to you. Uh, help support the cause. Best of luck this week. And I'll talk to you guys soon.